You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. I want to talk to you today about five must-have gifts. Uh, I've been talking about the series of messages the last four weeks. It's an Advent message, and the reason why we're talking about Advent is because it talks about all the things that Jesus brings into our life, all the things that he brings to us. So why are they must-have gifts because they're essential for you to be able to have a blessed Christmas and to have a blessed life. I don't know about you. I want both, don't you? I want a blessed Christmas, but I want a blessed life as well. I want a life that represents Christ well and that I can truly say that these gifts are present in my life every day of the year, not just at the time of the year when I'm supposed to do them. Not at the time of the year where it's kind of expected to do them, but that it would be something that every day of the year that I would have love, joy, peace, uh, and, and kindness, and Christ's love in my heart. So I really want us to be able to focus on these things today. Um, so if you don't have them, you can't give them to other people. And my hope is that having Jesus in our lives will make us more hopeful, more loving, more joyful, and hopefully, after today, more peaceful. Amen? Because that's what Christ should be doing in our hearts, that we should be more loving, more joyful, more hopeful, and more peaceful than anybody else in the world. So that other people look at us and go, I want what you have. How is it that you're so calm? How is it that you're so at ease? How is it that you're so peaceful when everything else is chaotic? And you say, it's because of Jesus. Because Jesus has given these things to me, I'm going to give them to other people, and I'm going to display them in my life. Uh, Can you believe we're seven days away from Christmas? This is your public service announcement. I'm just letting you know, in case you weren't sufficiently stressed already, next Sunday is Christmas. So if you haven't gone shopping, you probably should, okay? If you haven't done some preparations yet and plans yet, you probably should. It's never a great question, and it happens in my household. Whose house are we going to for Christmas? We probably already should have determined this already. But whose house? Where are we going? What time are we meeting there? We haven't settled on that yet. And how many know that's a little stressful too? Okay? But God wants us not to be stressed out this holiday season. He wants us to be a season of peace. I don't know if you've been shopping over the weekend. It's horrible. There are, like, people everywhere. Not just people in the stores, they're inside the restaurants too. They're filled up the restaurants. They don't want to cook. They're out shopping, so they're eating at the restaurant. There is no place to go. There's people everywhere. You go to the post office, you go to mail package, there is like a line of people outside the door. So everywhere you go, it's kind of amping up the fact that this is kind of stressful right now. Everybody's trying to do the same thing at the same time, at the same place. And you're like, okay, I, I just need a break from this. But there is no break in sight because there's seven days to the holiday season, and we're almost on Christmas. I say that not to stress you out, but I say it so that we might understand that we are really busy at this time of the year. We're busy even having fun. Have you recognized that? It's like, you know, every get-together, every party, it's great to have fun with people and to get together with them, but then you realize you've compressed your week and all the work you need to do into a few short days because you were out with your friends or out with your family or doing things, and you're like, now I'm re- I got a lot to do. I got a lot to get done. 
instead of being peaceful, you find yourself worried or you find yourself anxious or stressed. Can I tell you today, too, it's really my heart that you would not go into this season with anxiety. This is not the season for anxiety and worry and fear in your life. This is not a season for you to want to stay away from people because you're anxious about being in the room or you're wondering what people are going to think about you. I want you to know that the whole purpose of Jesus' coming is that he is the prince of peace, and he wants to bring peace into your heart so you can bring peace into every situation. This is not a season for you to be anxious. In the name of Jesus, I pray that that would not be your portion this season, not by a long shot but that you would experience the peace and presence of God this season. Amen? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I want us to take a look at two verses this Sunday morning and two verses about peace. There are many verses about peace, but I want to take a look at two that relate to Jesus' coming and then his going. One verse has to do with his ministry before it starts and his arrival and his birth as a little baby, and then a verse that he shares, uh, some words that he shares with his disciples right before he's to go away. So one's at the beginning of the ministry, his ministry, and one's at the end, but both of them can teach us something. Let's look at the first one. It's in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can just watch on the screen behind me. And this is a familiar passage of Scripture. It's a prophecy about Jesus, and it's not a passive prophecy, but rather a powerful one. It's not passive. As you read it, it's not something that's kind of like, well, this might happen. But really, if you really take a moment and consider the words that it's saying, it's a powerful promise concerning the future ministry of Jesus. It says in verse 6, For unto us... A child is born, for unto us a son is given. You've probably seen that on Christmas cards, right? That's a nice little sentiment, but it's more than that. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David... And over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever. Now it speaks about uh, the child that will be born, the Messiah, the Christ. And it has these things to say about him. It says that he will be, he will be called God. So we know we're not talking about like a baby, a human child that the prophecy is referring to. It's referring to something that's a little bit more or someone that's a little bit more than that. He'll be called God. He'll be called the everlasting or eternal father. We see that he's a son, but he's also a father. So we see the father and the son of the Trinity in this prophecy. We know that this prophecy is not speaking about a human, but someone who has the characteristics of God himself. This is also a prophecy about an eternal king who will rule over the throne of King David. And in addition to being a king, he will also be a prince, a prince who brings peace. And his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and his peace will have no ending. So I want you to know that today, is that when Christ comes, is that he will bring peace as the prince of peace, but that there'll be no end to his government, and no end to his kingdom, and no end to the peace that he brings. 
Your peace in God was never meant to be a temporary peace. Your peace was not meant to be that when you come on Sunday morning and you worship and you feel God's presence and you feel his peace, that it was just for Sunday morning and not for the rest of your week. I want you to know today that his peace is destined and meant to go with you wherever you go. That it rests upon you. Even so much so that he said to the disciples that when you go into a household, you say, peace to this house. You can't bring it if you don't have it. So we need to acquire it by his spirit today. In order to have peace, peace is usually brought about after war. Usually there's a battle that brings about peace. Next slide up there. So when you think about peace, it's usually secured after a battle. And I want you to know that Jesus fought and won the battle for us. It was a battle from the beginning of time between God and Satan, between light and dark. It's one of the biggest battles of all eternity. Jesus would fight against the principalities and powers of this world and age. His greatest battle would be the cross. And on there, he gave his life to secure our redemption. There was a battle, and he was fighting for us. Romans 5.10 and Colossians 1.21 tells us that we were once enemies of God, but Jesus secured our reception through his death and his reconciliation through his resurrection so that he fought the battle for us while we were still enemies of God. Fought it so that victory could be won. And he defeated sin, death, and hell on the cross. Now we have peace with God. Now to have peace with God, we don't need to fight a battle. We only need to accept Christ's rule and reign in our hearts. We have to uh, understand and accept the victory that's been given to us in Jesus. Our hope for peace with God is only found in Christ Jesus. There's an important truth about peace. Peace is secured when one is def- the one who is defending you is greater than any threat that comes against it. The peace is secured when the one who is defending you is greater than any threat that comes against it. Let me give you an example. We have peace and security in our country because we maintain a strong military to oppose all threats. The reason why we don't see war on our shores is because most countries are afraid to go to battle with us. You see, peace is only as good as the one who has the ability to keep it. It's only as secure as the one who stands behind that peace. As Christians, our confidence must be in Jesus, the one who is strong enough to to defend us and to fight for us. So when Christ has won the battle for us, that's not the only battle. The cross wasn't the only battle that he fights for us. Yes, he secured our our redemption, our salvation, our resurrection through his death and resurrection. But he didn't say, okay, that's the only battle I'm fighting for you. The rest, you're on your own. He not only secured the peace for us, established a peaceful kingdom for us, the kingdom of God, but he is also there to defend that peace so that when his subjects... When his followers are threatened, he comes to our aid. And he comes to our aid through prayer. And he comes to our aid in our times of need. That's what Jesus does for us. 
To remain peaceful, we must rest and trust the ability of the one who has secured our peace, stands behind our peace, and defends our peace. Jesus won the battle at the cross and the grave over 2,000 years ago, and he's not going to lose anytime soon. Amen? He's not going to lose anytime soon. He's not going to abdicate his throne. He doesn't grow old and all of a sudden can't fight anymore. His power and his strength is not diminished because of time or over seasons. It's not like the empires of men where kings rise and fall and presidents and prime ministers go in and out of office. It's not as though it changes as the military's uh, weapons grow older and as their uh, army ages out of uh, their particular youth anymore. It's not based on any of those things. Our confidence is in one who does not grow old, who does not grow tired, who does not grow weary, and is not giving up his position anytime soon. So in that, we can have security. In that, we can have peace. The battle belongs to the Lord. But just because the battle belongs to the Lord, it doesn't mean that you don't show up to the battle. Hear me, okay? The battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't mean like you sit on the couch and he goes and fights your battle for you. Every time that you see in the scriptures where we see it says the battle belongs to the Lord or the Lord is fighting on behalf of his people Israel, what did they have to do? They had to show up to the battlefront. If not for any other reason but to see what God would do. So many Christians today have lost their confidence in who God is. Have lost their ability to trust God to bring about victory. You've already experienced victory in your life. You've experienced one of the greatest victories that could ever be managed in your entire existence. The salvation of your soul. No one could have saved you. Not even yourself. No one could have set you free except Jesus. So the biggest battle is already done and over with. Every other battle that you'll face from here on in, no matter how hard, no matter how intimidating, you can overcome because the one who fought the previous battle is still with you. And he is on your side. You got to show up to the battle. You've got to show up to the situations. You can't avoid confrontation. You can't avoid problems. You can't avoid your bills. You can't avoid going to the doctor. Do what you need to do. Show up to the battlefront. Remember the battle belongs to the Lord, but make sure that you show up to the battle so that he's there and you're there. So many times we're like, okay, you fight my battles. I'm just going to stay here. You do it, God, and I'll just, I'll just lay in my bed. Get out of your bed. Get out of your house and face the things that you need to face so that you can see God's victory in that. Listen, just because you have peace doesn't mean there won't be threats to your peace. There are always threats to your peace in life. There'll be things that threaten your peace of mind, your peace of heart, your peaceful existence, what are the things that threaten your peace? Let's think about that for a moment. What are the things that threaten your peace? Well, people, let's be honest, okay, and problems. 
And they will threaten your peace. They'll try and take away your peace. They will try and steal your peace if you let them. You must fight for your peace. You must defend your peace. This isn't about you fighting for your peace in your own strength. It's about going back to the one who fights your battles and putting your trust in him. You have to let God's peace rule and reign in your heart. That's in the scriptures. So there are going to be people in your life that you love and care about. They're going to try and take away your peace because they're a hot mess and you're not. Just be honest, really, true. So there will be people that you're like, okay, my life is fine. I'm happy. I'm going about my existence pretty well. And then someone else comes in there and they bring their mess into your life. And you're like, well, what am I going to do about that? You can either let that change you or you can stay the same and rest in God's peace. Anytime you have peace, there's going to be things that come against it. But you must defend your peace. In other words, I'm not going to let this take away my peace. I'm going to let it rule and reign. I'm going to let it sit on the throne room of my heart and the throne of my mind and my thinking, and I'm not going to let those other things rise to the level of trying to take the place of Jesus in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Is that there are always going to be things that kind of threaten your peace, and they're going to try and knock Jesus off the throne. It's up to you whether you let it. It's up to you whether you choose to, to let that thing rise to the level that it's Lord over your life, that it's master over your thoughts and over your, what's going to happen to you. You choose what you want to do. Joshua said it at the end of the book of Joshua. Choose you this day who you will serve. And I don't know about you, I'm going to choose to serve the Lord and follow him. Does that mean you don't get stressed out sometimes? Of course you get stressed out sometimes. But you remind yourself, you reaffirm to yourself who is in control and who brought you through before and who will bring you through again. The second verse I want us to take a look at is John chapter 14, verses 25 through 28. And Jesus is saying this to his disciples after the, gar- after the uh, Last Supper. And he says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you will rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father. The first verse in Isaiah had to do with Jesus' coming, his birth, and his ministry. But these words, Jesus speaks to his disciples at the end of his ministry, between the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane where he is arrested and before he's put to death. Amazingly, Jesus is only a few hours from his trial, beating, and crucifixion, and he takes time to encourage his disciples and talk to them about the Holy Spirit. And he tells them that he's going away. He's going away to the crucifixion, he's going away to resurrection, and he's going back to the Father and returning to heaven. And these words were undoubtedly very upsetting to the disciples. Anytime you lose someone important to you, it can cause stress and not peace. 
But let's look at Jesus' words and the kind of peace he promises. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There are four things here I want you to look at about peace. Number one, first and foremost, it's a leaving and a lasting peace. It's a leaving and a lasting peace. Very rarely is there peace when we experience leaving or loss because we find great comfort in what is familiar. But Jesus offers his disciples peace when he's leaving. Even though they didn't want him to go, Jesus reassures them it will be okay. He needed to go because he needed to go to the cross and he needed to rise from the dead and he needed to ascend to heaven. He left them not because he didn't care about them, but so that they would do what he wanted them to do. While Jesus was there, they'd be comfortable to follow him and stay his disciples, but he wanted them to build his church. Can I tell you today, comfort is a hindrance to progress. As long as you are comfortable, you will never move. Let me give you a couple examples of that. If you have a bed that's nice and comfortable, it's hard to get out of bed. You might find yourself wanting to sleep later. Listen, especially as we're in the winter, right? In the winter, it's cold outside. It's cold outside of your bed. So you want to stay in your bed longer. But imagine your bed was uncomfortable. Imagine it was, you know, sloped in the middle. You wake up, your back's in pain, your, your hips in pain, your ankles are in pain. And like the minute you get up, you know, wake up in the morning, you're in pain. You don't want to stay there because you're like, this is uncomfortable. If you go home and you have a favorite recliner and that favorite recliner has a spring sticking up in the seat or you go to pull it back to watch football and it breaks and it's kind of, you know, off to one side, you don't say, you know, this is great. I want to stay here. You say, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to be here anymore. Where do you do? You find somewhere else to settle that's more comfortable. Could it be that God makes things uncomfortable in your life just so you'll move. Could it be there are times in your life where you get too complacent or comfortable with your place in life, with your job, with your situation, and God says, okay, I'm going to make that uncomfortable because you wouldn't move if you just stayed comfortable. Sometimes discomfort brings about movement. Sometimes the discomfort is there to bring about change. Jesus said, you know, I'm leaving you, not because I don't care about you, but because if I stay with you, you'll just stay disciples, and you'll never become apostles. You will just stay with me instead of being sent out. And so I'm going. He says, while I'm going, I'm going to give you something to help you, and it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you peace. There are times where when change happens in our life, It's so that we can learn to trust Jesus more. It's a leaving and lasting peace. Secondly, it's a giving peace. He says, my peace I give you. He knew that they would need his peace, especially what is coming. We sometimes read the scriptures and we read the gospels as though it's just one big story. And we don't consider the emotions that go along with it, the experiences that the people had at the time. Listen, Jesus was saying, I'm leaving you. And then immediately shortly thereafter, he is taken prisoner. 
He is put on trial. He is beaten and crucified. Imagine what that felt like to the disciples. But Jesus told them, I'm leaving you, but the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you peace. What they were witnessing, what they were seeing was certainly not peaceful. Jesus being their master being crucified was certainly not something that they would say, you know, I'm at peace now with this. They were probably completely broken up and destroyed inside. He said, my peace I give with you. My peace I leave with you. He promised to give them peace and their grief would be turned to joy when they saw the resurrection. This peace is a gift from Jesus to all who follow him. It was present for the disciples and that peace is present for us today. This peace is not something you rationally come to, but rather it's bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit. This peace is supernatural in nature. His peace is available to us to rest on us when we need it. So if you're looking for peace, one of the hardest things to do is when you're stressed out is to try and get yourself to a place of peace. Why? Because your circumstances have not changed. The stresses of life are still there. So you you can say, you know, you can kind of keep repeating serenity now all you want. But it's not going to make you peaceful just because you're trying to center your mind on things. Instead, you need to look to the Lord who gives us a supernatural peace that transcends what you're going through. It's a peace that like nothing outwardly can change. But inwardly, you know God is going to work it all out for your good. Notice Jesus says to them, as he kind of delivers this bombshell, I'm leaving you. I'm going back to my Father. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let yourself be afraid. And isn't that how we are all the time? When something that gives us comfort is taken from us, whether it's our income, or whether it's a job, or whether our, our kids are in trouble, or whether there's difficulty at work, when we see those situations come up, when they're taken from us, we're troubled. We're afraid. And Jesus says, don't let it get to that point. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to get to a place in our minds and heart where we say, yes, that's stressful. Yes, that's scary. But don't project. Because your projections are all bad, aren't they? I'm going to be kicked out of this house. We're going to lose the house. My kids are going to disown me. I'm never going to have another job in this town. You know, people hate me. No one's a, I'm never going to recover from this. That's not your portion. That's not God's voice. That's your fear. That's the enemy saying to you, you're done. Listen, look at all the disciples. There are certain points in their life where they were done. D-O-N-E, done. Right? But God didn't allow that to take place. Christ in his redemption, in his forgiveness, in his restoration, restored the disciples and said, come on, we got work to do. Don't project out in fear. Dwell in the moment in faith. Say, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know that God's future for me is not meant for my destruction. The enemy tries to destroy me, but I'm not going to give myself over to destruction. I'm going to trust the Lord. You have to choose not to let anything take your peace away. The third thing about peace is that it's a unique peace. A unique peace. He says, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. 
So this peace is unlike anything in the world. And there's peace in the world that we see, but how many times have we seen it that the peace is temporary? There's a treaty between people. The world is peaceful one day, and then all of a sudden two nations are at war, and it's involved the entire world. One simple thing that just completely throws everything off. There's one moment where you think that you have peace in your life and everything seems like it's good and then you get a diagnosis. You get a a bill in the mail. You get some bad news. And then all of a sudden, all the peace that you have has just miraculously disappeared and evaporated in a moment's notice. The peace of this world is here one moment and gone the next. But the peace that God gives is an unusual peace. It's a unique peace. No matter what happens there, it is something that uh, God gives us no matter what. He offers us a lasting peace, not an unstable peace tied to the uncertainties of this world. His peace is unchanging because I want you to know that he is unchanging. So he doesn't give you one kind of peace now and a different kind of peace later. His peace is unchanging. His love is unchanging. His faithfulness is unchanging. His character is unchanging. Our challenges that we face might change, but the peace that God provides does not. It's a unique peace, which means it's unusual. It's one of a kind. It's a peace that is not usually found easily, but it's the peace that's available to us as Christians. Those are the peace that God gives. It's a lasting peace. It's a giving peace. It's a unique and unshakable peace. But where can you find this peace? Let's talk about that. How many know it's it's one thing to know that there's peace available. It's another thing to find it. It's kind of like temptation. People talk about temptation all the time. And they say, well, I prayed to God to take away the temptation." I really wanted that thing, and I prayed, but God wouldn't take it from me. And in those moments, you have to remember the scriptures that says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will provide a way of escape. If you're sitting in the boiling pot of temptation, and you don't remove yourself from it, you're going to give in to it. Plain and simple. So what do you need to do? You need to remove yourself from the place of temptation. So if we're looking for peace, you can't focus on the stress. If you're looking for peace, you can't focus on your worry or your fear. you got to remove yourself from that situation and go to a place to find peace. Where can you find it? You find peace in solitude. In solitude. You may have to take times away from the chaos in order to recharge. If you're running on empty, it's because you're too busy. If you have nothing in your heart but anxiety and fear and chaos and worry and stress, it's because you've been going at a mile a minute and you haven't given yourself a moment to recharge. The scriptures told us that even Jesus withdrew to solitary places. And you know what he did there? He prayed. He did it at a time when everyone was looking for him. You don't think you have time to pray? Imagine being Jesus. Like, everyone's looking for Jesus all the time. They want him to perform a miracle. They want him to make bread. They want him to heal. They want him to to give him counsel. They wanted to help 
in the situation. Jesus is constantly busy. There are always people looking for him. So he valued the times away. There's always going to be people looking for you, especially as you help people, especially if you're an empathetic, helpful person. They're always going to be looking for you. But you have to know that there are times that if you have an empty well, you're not going to be able to serve cool water to anybody else. So how do you get your well refilled? How do you get your batteries recharged? That's an important question to ask yourself. So you must take time to recharge. Part of the reason peace may be so hard to find is because you're not taking intentional times of solitude and rest. There's a blessing to being still and knowing he is God. That verse says, be still and know that he is God. You're never going to come to that realization while you're running around like crazy. You have to take a moment and stop and let the knowledge that he is God be with you. When I think about solitude, I think about the Christmas season. So if you're looking for some ways to express or to find solitude, I think about, uh, you know, the candlelight Christmas service that we have here at the church. You know, it's just candlelight and us singing carols. That's a very peaceful, solitary time. We're sitting around the fireplace when it's Christmas and, and just watching the fire and just listening to Christmas music in the background. Just nothing else, no TVs on, no devices are in hand. And just watching that and just listening to the crackling of the fire. We're walking as uh, an evening where the snow is just gently falling. Not like a, a vicious snowstorm, but you're just seeing those little just flakes fall to the ground and you're just walking through it and there's nobody out because there's, you know, nobody wants to be out in the snow and no one wants to drive around and you're just walking through that neighborhood and it's just dark and quiet and all that's lit are the uh, street lights lighting the snow that's coming down. It looks like something out of a snow globe and that's just an incredible, peaceful moment. One of my favorite memories from Christmas for uh, our family is when we lived in our apartment on Mill Street. And a few years back, it snowed on like Christmas Sunday. It wasn't Christmas Sunday, but on Christmas Day. And like we hadn't done anything yet, but we woke up to snow and we just took a walk through the neighborhood. And there was nobody out there. There There's not a soul walking around. Not even somebody walking their dog. We're just walking through the snow just enjoying the quiet. When was the last time you took time for quiet? Intentionally take time out of the busyness of life so you can find balance. You know, solitude is good for times with God. Take time to spend with Him and just you and nobody else. Listen, it's great to have corporate worship. It's great to have prayer meetings where we're all together. But there are times where you just need to be alone with God yourself and nobody else. And in those moments, share your heart with them. Share every fear, every frustration, and every prayer with him. That's the first thing. Second thing, find solitude in prayer. Prayer is one of the ways that we receive that unique and unusual peace that I was talking about. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Something happens 
when we pray. When we pray, a couple things happen. We verbalize our fears and our worries, and it helps us deal with them. But we talk to God about our problems, and our problems then become his problems. We become more accustomed to talking with God when we pray. And practice talking to God on a regular basis helps your prayer life to grow. And when you talk to God about your problems, when you bring it to him, when you bring your petitions and your requests and your fears and your concerns to God and you talk to God about them, one, you're getting them off your chest, which is very helpful. But so much more than that, there's this eternal part of it. There's this supernatural part of it where God intervenes. And you bring those problems before him and he takes those problems and he starts to work on them for you. So much so that when you're done praying, you get up feeling better. You feel more at peace. Even though nothing outwardly has changed. The problems are still there. The bills are still there. The, the, the annoying people in your life are still there. Nothing's changed that you can outwardly see, but something has changed because God is at work. When you've prayed, you've enlisted the help of that one who helps to defend peace, that prince of peace at work in your life to help you with your situation. So even though it might be, seem like immediately that problem's still there, you will find as you walk along through life and as you continue to pray and seek God's face, eventually those things start to disappear. God starts to work on those people. He starts to work on those situations. He starts to work on your provision in a way that you didn't expect. And it's really weird to, to be super stressed out about something and pray, and then all of a sudden you're like, huh, I feel better. And you don't even know why. You're like, I don't know why I feel better. I shouldn't. Things are still terrible. But I feel better. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit at work within you, giving you the peace that passes understanding. How do we find peace? We find it in His presence. The Scriptures tell us that in His presence is fullness of joy. His presence is a calming presence. Being God's presence is one of the most reassuring, life-changing, and peaceful things that you can experience. Remember when you were a kid and you had a nightmare and you ran into that, that family member's room and told them about it? And you asked them, can I, can I sleep in your room? Can I sleep on the floor? Can I sleep in the bed? Can, I don't want to go back in my room because there's monsters in the room. They're in the closet. They're under the bed. They're everywhere. And, like, and so the fear was so tangible for that young child or for you that the only thing that would comfort you was being in the room with your parents or with your aunt, your uncle, or with that family member that, that was there that was able to kind of settle your heart. Why? Because you thought to yourself, I'm safe here. No monsters are going to come mess with my mom and dad. They're not going to do that. I'm safe and secure here. And even if it didn't make any sense whatsoever, there's a calming, reassuring presence that when you're with someone who's stronger than you, hallelujah, when you're with someone that's greater than you, when you're with someone that cares about you, that loves you, when you're with someone that's going to defend you and protect you, you have no reason to fear because he's with you in that moment. His presence gives us peace. I want to encourage you that when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel frightened, when you feel stressed out, you might not be a kid again, but sometimes we have that kid-like panic, don't we? 
Well, I don't know. Maybe you've talked to a friend like that. They pick up the phone. How you doing? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't think about this. And then you're like, wow, you need to like calm down. Right? <laughs> Why? Because they're still troubled by those things. But can I challenge you today that when you find a place and a space to spend time with God, when you run into his room, hallelujah, you know he's there. When you run into the place where you can find him, he's a comforting presence. He's a shielding presence. He's a protecting presence. You know you're in the presence of someone who loves you and who's strong enough to defend you. You might not have that here in this world, but you have it in Jesus, and you have it by his Holy Spirit. So find a space and a place to spend time with him, a place that you run to when you need to. And lastly, most surprising, the place that you'll find God's peace is in times of difficulty. Hard to believe that, that you'll find peace in times of difficulty. When you're a peaceful, you can bring peace into every situation. What does it mean to be peaceful? It means to be free from disturbing thoughts. It means to be free from, the, uh, from anger, retaliation and violence. It means to be passive instead of aggressive when you're faced with frustrations. When you're at peace with God and at peace with your own soul, you'll find it easier to be peaceful around others and around difficult circumstances. When you are restful instead of restless, then people will see the difference and will notice how peaceful you are. How do you be peaceful you are full of the peace of God that's only found in his presence. You can be at peace even in the middle of conflict and strife. You can be at peace when your world is in turmoil, not because it makes any sense, but because you know God's working on your behalf. And when people, everyone else is losing their mind and, and stressed beyond measure, and you're just sitting there, and you're just okay. People understand, don't understand that. They're like, how can you be calm about this? How can you be a, a reserved and at peace about this with everything else going on around you? And my hope is that you would tell them it's because of Jesus. Because he's made a difference in my heart my life. And that when others see you filled with peace, it means something to them. They'll know what you're going through. Like, how are you keeping it all together while going through this difficult, chronic illness that you're going through? How can you keep it all together with, with everything that's going on with your family? How can you keep it all together with all the things that are going on in the world today? And you just tell them, I just know God is going to work it out. And you keep those thoughts and those worries and fears at bay. And you remind yourself that he is your source of peace. God wants us to be peaceful, full of God's peace. This morning, I want to call us to prayer. The peace of God is found in Jesus. It's a settling and reassuring place. This morning, I'm calling for those who need God's peace in their life. Do you need his peace? Are you facing challenges that are bigger than you? facing things that frighten you when you think about them? Are you facing things that seem too big for you and they threaten to undo you?
Do you have some decisions to make that are hard decisions? God will give you peace concerning it. Are you worried about someone in your life? You're concerned about them, and every waking moment you're concerned about them, it's really hard to find peace. Maybe you're up late at night and you have trouble sleeping because you just are so concerned about what's going to happen. And it feels like there's no peace in your life. This morning, I want to encourage you, if you need God's peace, it's available to us. It's not something we have to, to earn or struggle with or strive for. His peace, he says, I give it to you. It's freely available to us today. I wonder if we could just close our eyes in just a moment as we get ready to pray. And this morning you say, Pastor, I'm just, I need God's peace. I haven't felt it. I just feel challenged on every side. I feel like I just can't rest. I feel like I just, I'm struggling all the time. And I don't want to be in this place anymore. I want to know God's peace today. I want to be able to trust him and let his peace reign. I want that unusual, unique peace that when everything's falling apart around me, I can say I'm at peace because God's with me. This morning, that peace is available to you. And whatever you're going through this morning, I want to be able to pray that you experience God's peace today. I want to pray that you experience God's peace today. But you have to acknowledge that there's stress and worry and fear and things in your life that you need help with and you need God's peace. So I just want to ask you simply, do you need God's peace today? And if that's you, just slip up a hand. I'm going to pray in just a moment. We're going to trust God to bring about peace. Thank you. Anyone else? Keep your hand up. I'm trusting God for peace. Anybody else today? All right, put your hands down. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we thank you that, Lord, you didn't leave us without any hope or peace. But, God, you said to us today that your peace you leave with us, your peace you give us, not like the world gives. And so many of us go from one moment to the next, afraid, worried, fearful, challenged in different ways, having peace one moment and then having anxiety the next. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you look upon each person and each situation and that, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would bestow peace upon them. May your resting Holy Spirit, your comforter, in this moment bring to them peace. Peace of mind, peace of heart, peace in every situation. For Lord, you are the one that can help them through it. Show them, Lord God, that you are strong enough to handle whatever is they're facing right now. So Lord, walk with them, be with them, and show them, Lord, your strength. Reassure them, Lord, that you're with them. And Lord, I pray they would train their minds and hearts to not allow these things to take away their peace, but that they would live, walk, and dwell in them. And we know that we can ask these things because we know in whom we are asking. We ask this now 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.